We're wrapping up our series on Hebrews today, and part of as we wrap up, we're going to see how God challenges all of us uh, to make a unique difference. And I want to encourage you uh, to keep reading your Bible. We've been reading through Hebrews and talking through Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible, we have a gift for you. It's out there at the Connecting Center where Stanzi will be afterwards. We have plenty of these. You may just see two on the table, but we've got a box of them. So if you don't have a Bible, please pick one of these up. It's our gift to you, and we would love for you guys to be in the Word of God along with us. So as we wrap up Hebrews, we're looking at this letter. This letter where the writer of Hebrews is, is pleading with these people that he's writing to. Now, we've looked at it over a series of five weeks, and we've just taken little slices of it and, and kind of looked at it a little bit. But this was basically one letter that was written to the church, and they read it in one big chunk. So they got the big picture of this letter as through the first 10 chapters, really, that we've talked about. He's, he's telling the, the readers, Jesus is better. He's better than every other option that you've got out there, everything that you're facing. And then he goes on in the last three chapters, which we're going to take just a peek at today, and he tells them, now I want you to go, and I want you to live it out with all of your heart. And he's writing with this desperation, like we've talked about. Just imagine this, those of you who are parents in the room, you've got a child who is about to go out on their own, and today, today, after church, they are going to make a decision that is either going to put their life on the right track for the rest of their lives, or they're going to make a decision that is ultimately going to end up destroying their lives, bringing pain and misery and sorrow. And you've got one shot after church to sit down with your child and say, please listen to me, because you can see from a different perspective because you've got a few more years under your belt. And you can tell them, you need to choose this option over here. Because I've seen where this road goes, and I understand you have another option that you can choose over here, and I've seen where that road goes too. I want you to choose the right option. As you would plead with one shot with your child to help them make the right choice, that is how the author of Hebrews is pleading with the Hebrew people. Because he understands that there are those there in the crowd who are just on the edge, ready to give up, ready to sink. They don't know if they are going to make it or not. And so he is pleading with them, don't give up, keep going. And I've got good news for you today. Just like he's pleading with the Hebrews and he's pleading with us, don't give up. The good news today is that God has not given up on you. And I want you to know today, here, whatever you have done, whatever you have done, whatever you have been through, whoever you've been through it with, God has not given up on you. One of the scriptures we looked at last week said that God cannot lie. His word tells us he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The word of God tells us there is nothing in this world that you can do or that can happen to you that will separate you from God's love. God has not given up on you. Now, he should have given up on me a long time ago, but he has a purpose for my life, and he's got a purpose for your life, and I want to speak to us as a whole today as well. He's got a purpose for this church. He hasn't given up on this church. You see, Rock Hills is about nine years old now, and just like a marriage, we had a great marriage getaway this weekend, by the way. 
But you can kind of hit that stage in marriage where you just kind of get used to each other. You see each other every morning. You know what the other person likes to eat. And it just kind of gets routine. Churches can hit that place as well. We come here, we meet at school at 10.30, we're going to sing some songs, we're going to hear a sermon, and we're going to go home. Maybe I'll show up to Steaks and Stogies because Raul cooks really good and I want to be there. To, you know, we just kind of get in this routine of, of doing what we do. But the truth is, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for me, just like he had a purpose for the Hebrews. And he's got a purpose for our church. And the challenge that we see here in Hebrews is that God is reminding those people and God is reminding me and God is reminding you and God is reminding us as a church, it's worth it. Let's keep going. Let's do what God has called us to do. In other words, let's keep loving people. Let's keep going into the hospitals. Let's keep helping schools clean up their yard. Let's keep reaching out to our neighbors. Let's keep loving people. Let's keep serving people. Let's keep showing up at church regularly. All right, let's keep showing up and let's keep singing and worshiping. We had this 30-day challenge. I want to let you in on a little secret. It's not for 30 days. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep loving God. Keep serving others. Keep letting God use you and your life because you have a race to run and a victory to win. And that's what we're going to look at today. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be looking However, the first word in Hebrews chapter 12 is therefore. Now, if you see a therefore when you're reading scripture, you need to see what it's there for. In other words, the writer is referring to what he just said. So in order to know where we're going in Hebrews chapter 12, we need to jump back to Hebrews chapter 11. Here's the first verse in Hebrews chapter 11. It's often called the hall of faith, this chapter. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Now remember, the writer is writing to these Hebrew people that love God, they're serving God, they believe in Jesus, but they're worn out and they don't know if they can make it. And he's reminding them, you have faith and you have confidence. And although you can't see it, and although there's going to be days when you can't feel it, Keep going, keep having faith because you have an assurance in what you cannot see. So after he sets up this verse, he goes in to build his case and he lists all these people that the Hebrews would have known. He said, there's Abel, there's Enoch, there's Noah, there's Abraham, there's Sarah, there's Isaac, there's Jacob, there's Joseph, there's Moses, there's Rahab. He's listing men, he's listing women, he's listing men that were powerful and had good reputations and he's listing questionable people. Rahab was a prostitute. He's saying there's people from all different backgrounds of life who've been through all different sorts of things and they chose to run their race with faith, to believe that God could and would do something through their lives. So he's laying out all those people and then finally he gets to a point and he says, and there's a lot more. I just don't have time to list all of them for you. So in other words, the writer is saying, I could go on all day about the people who have come before you that have chosen to believe in God's plan for their lives, and we can see how it has paid off in their lives. And he concludes that chapter before he gets uh, to chapter 12 by saying this, since God has planned something better for us, that only together with us, they would be made perfect. Check this out. At the end of chapter 11, the writer is saying he lists all these heroes of the faith, these giants of faith that end up in the hall of faith, and he's saying God has something better planned for your life. Better than that. God has something better 
for our church, for you as an, an individual, then even some of the things that we see in the Bible, God wants to move in and through your life and in and through our church. And because as we live it out and the next generation lives it out and the next generation lives it out, then we give validation to everything that those people who've gone before us laid their lives down for. Some of these people lost their life as they followed after God. So then we pick up chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's referring to all those people that he just mentioned, the people who trusted God with their lives and have now gone on, lost their life or died living for Christ. Either way, he's saying we're surrounded by these people. Let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Throughout the book of Hebrews, We've seen some good literary images as he describes these things to encourage these people because just like if we had one shot with our kids, he's got this shot with the Hebrew people. And so he's trying to give them some examples and some literary images. Last week we talked about the anchor. This week he talks about a race. A race that is set before us. And as he sets the scene, he says, now you're not just going out for, for a jog from your house. Picture the Olympics, all right? Picture a race where you've got a lane and you are surrounded by people who have lived their lives for Christ, who have given their lives for Christ. They can see the bigger picture, right? You just see what's right in front of you, but the people up in the stands cheering for you, go, 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 it's worth it. As they cheer for you, they see the bigger picture, all right? Another parent analogy. You can see things that your kids can't see, right? Because you see from a different perspective. Just to put it very simply, if you have a toddler, remember back to those toddler years, your toddler might think, man, it would be so cool to stick my finger in that electrical socket. I mean, it's got the three holes and it just looks so fun. I'd, like, I'd really like to stick my finger in that. But as a parent, you see something they don't see. It's not going to be that fun, right? Your kids get older, they're teenagers, and they think, man, it is so cool to hang out with this other group of kids. There's just something that's so fascinating about them. And they see it from that perspective, but from your perspective, you see, that's not really the best idea. Because I can tell you where hanging out with that group of people is going to end up leading you down the road, right? Because I've seen it over and over and over. So this cloud of witnesses, they see from a perspective that you and I can't see. Because we're in the middle of living life right now. We're in the middle of just pressing on, right? It's talking about the race and perseverance, right? You just got to keep going and keep putting one foot in front of the other. But the cloud, the people in the crowd, they see from a different perspective. And they're telling us, they're telling the Hebrew people, they're telling us as a church and you as an individual, go, go, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep living for Christ. It is going to be worth it because you have a unique race to run. God created you to do something that nobody else is going to be able to do. I really believe that. You just heard Stanzi's opportunity that God has put in her life. 
I could never do what she's doing. She's got a unique race to run. And every one of you, regardless of the mistakes that you've made in life, God has a race for you to run. He has not given up on you and the crowd is still cheering for you. Get back up. You may have fallen down in the race. Get back up and start running again. You may have given up a million times. Get back up and let's start running again because there is a unique race that is set before you. As a church, there's a unique race that is set before us. Rock Hills Church. Now, San Antonio is full of a lot of really great churches. And we cheer them on and we want Christ glorified in those churches. We want God moving in and through those churches. But God has a plan for Rock Hills Church right here in San Antonio, and you guys are a part of that plan. As we move forward in this next season, we want to see everything God wants to do in and through this church come to pass. And, and those people who've gone before us are cheering us on. Go, go, let's run the race that is before us. We have that unique race to run. Now, already I, I'm probably losing some of you, just as I use words like run and race, because... Those things sound horrible to you, right? And actually, the word in Greek here for race is agon. The same word where we get agony, right? And when some of you think of running, that's exactly what you think of, agony, right? Maybe I'll run to the refrigerator, but that's about it. That's as good as it's going to get, right? So let me just take a quick survey. How many of you like to run? All right, we've got to actually have a lot of runners here at Rock Hills. How many of you would say you love to run? All right, we've got a few of you here. I just learned this morning, uh, one of our elders, Peter Young, is running a marathon this morning. I was like, really? I had no idea. Yeah, he runs one about once a month. A marathon, that's 26 miles, right? I mean, to some of us, that's just like, I can't imagine. I get tired driving 26 miles, right? He's running 26 miles. Okay, so how many of you hate, hate to run? All right, there are some of you here. How many of you, if we see you running down the side of the road, we should call the cops because somebody's chasing you? Anybody? You are that serious about it. All right. I know what you mean. But we're talking about this picture of running. So even if you hate it or if you love it, I want you to get the mental picture today of running. To do that, I want to tell you a story. There was a man back in 1983 named Cliff Young. This is his picture right here. And in 1983 in Australia, they had not just a marathon, 26 miles. They had an ultra marathon. We've got some people here that run ultra marathons as well. This ultra marathon was a grueling race from Sydney to Melbourne, 545 miles. Not flying, not driving, not riding your bike running 545 miles. 150 world-class runners show up to register for this race. And as the registration is going on, a toothless 61-year-old potato farmer and sheep herder named Cliff Young approaches the registration table. As he approaches the registration table, it's a cloudy day. He thinks it might rain, so he's wearing overalls, work boots, and galoshes over his work boots. At first, people thought that he was just there to find out where he could watch the race from, but then he requested a number, and he requested to register for the race. Now, this toothless potato farmer and sheep herder, he was, he was a poor 
sheep farmer, potato farmer, and uh, he didn't always have a four-wheeler or a horse to round up uh, the cattle, the sheep, whatever it may be. So he would go out running to round up his cattle on his farm. And so he thought, why not? I think I'll try it. I'm going to show up to this race. So as the gun goes off, you can imagine people are laughing. I mean, here's all these guys that look like Olympians, right? I mean, they don't have an ounce of fat on them. They're they're showing up. they're, They're running the race, lean, mean, ready to go. And then there's Cliff and his galoshes and overalls. And everybody with these sculpted bodies just begins to pass him by. Those snickers, I'm sure, soon turn to laughter as people thought, what in the world is he doing? Because it got even a little bit worse. Not only was he dressed funny, but he ran like this. You can pull it up on YouTube if you want. Not right now, please. But he ran like this. He had a very odd shuffle that he ran with as he ran, and so people were surely shaking their heads. I'm sure people were saying, you know, that was funny, but now it's not funny anymore. Somebody needs to go stop him because this guy's going to hurt himself, right? This isn't going to turn out good for this guy, Cliff. Five days, 15 hours, and four minutes later, Cliff Young came shuffling across the finish line as he ran all the way to Melbourne and He won the ultra marathon. He didn't just win it by a few seconds. He didn't just win it by a few hours. Cliff Young won the ultra marathon, and the nearest runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind him as he shuffled his way along. You see what Cliff didn't do is what the other marathon runners did. They ran for 18 hours, and like clockwork, they laid down, Five, six hours, and they got up, and they ran again to refuel their bodies. Cliff, he just kept running. He just kept going and kept going. It's even now called the Cliff Young Shuffle. It's a, a running term. He ran day and night without stopping, stopping and became an overnight sensation in Australia. When he got to the finish line, he also found out something he didn't know. He had just won 10 thousand dollars. But he wasn't doing it for the money. He was just doing it to see if he could finish the race that was set before him. So he told the people, the officials of the race, there were five other men who finished the race. They each got two thousand dollars. He split his winnings up between every one of them and didn't even take anything for himself. This is a very unique race and Cliff Young is certainly a very unique runner. Your life has a very unique race. Good news is you don't have to wear galoshes or overalls. You have a very unique race and you are a very unique runner because God has a purpose for you that he wants you to fulfill. Just as he had a purpose for all the crowd that had gone before the Hebrews, just as he had a purpose for the Hebrews and all those that have gone before you, right? Some of us are here because grandma prayed for us, right? We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. There have been people who have gone before us that poured into our lives, that pulled us aside at times and said, hey, we really need to talk about this. We've had people like that in our lives that have gone before us. And there's a crowd that is around us telling us, run, 
go, that we need to live out this life, that if we're going to follow Christ, we need to follow him with everything that we've got. We need to worship him with all that we are and not take any shortcuts. But it's easy for us to look at an ultra marathon and go, I just can't do that. I mean, we have a handful of people in this room who probably go, yeah, I'd like to try that. All right, you guys can just leave, right? Now, most of us look at that and go, there's just no way. It's too hard. It's too far, right? My legs are going to get tired. And, you know, we can just get whiny thinking, I just, I just can't do that. Or at least I'll give it a shot, you know, and I will take off and run that first 100 yards and then, you know, just give up because I can't do it anymore. And the writer understands that's where the Hebrew people are because he sees the race that's before them and they're just going, I don't know if I can continue in this race. I don't know if I can do it. I'm ready to give up. But God is saying to them, Jesus is saying to them, those who have gone before them are saying to them, go, run, run your race. It is going to be worth it. I'm convinced far too many people in this Christian walk miss out on God's very best because they just stop too soon. Because they just give up too soon to see God working in their lives. There are several reasons why we end up stopping too soon. The first one is we stop when we lose our frame of reference. We lose our perspective. We, we forget why we're running the race. You see, if you're just going out and running, and you don't realize there's a purpose to this, there's a lot of us who will never do it again, right? Because I'm not just going to run to run. But maybe if I'm running because I realize physically it's going to put me in better shape or there's a race, a goal that I want to accomplish. But if I've got no perspective, then there might not be any reason that I want to run the race that God has set before me. Therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. These ordinary people went before us And they did it. Like I said before, people, men, women, people who'd made mistakes, people who were giants in the faith, legends, right? They'd all gone before us and they accomplished the race that God had set before them. And they're telling us we can do it. They're not just witnesses to you. They're not just watching you. They're witnesses for you. They're saying, I know you can do it because I've already been around the track. I know that you can make it. My kids and my wife, Help me keep perspective. This church helps me keep perspective. I keep, I keep on my wall in my closet pictures of my kids, notes that they've written me, things that Tiffany has given me over the years because it keeps, it keeps me on track. As I get up in the morning and get ready, I remember that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm going to go out today and live with character. That's why I'm going to go out today and make the right choices. That's why I'm going to remember today that I need to pray for my kids. As I pray for you guys during the week and I pray for you every day, It gives me frame of reference. I remember that's why I'm here in San Antonio. There's a purpose and a reason that God has placed me here. And there's a reason why this windy road has ended up right here in Rock Hills. Because God has a purpose and a plan. And you guys help me to keep perspective. We often stop because we lose that perspective of why God has us in this race. Your race is just as important as Enoch's. 
as Abraham's, as Moses, as Rahab, every one of those people who's gone before us, every hero of the faith that you can even think of in the modern age today, your race is just as important as their race. And so that's why he gives us this visual image of they're all cheering you on because God wants you to accomplish that race that is set before you. The second reason that we often give up is because we get weighed down and tangled up. Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us. We don't get weighed down on purpose. We have a tendency to add weight to ourselves. Now, you can imagine if you're running, especially a long race, hydration is important, right? Water is good to drink and to refresh you. Water is not good to carry around a couple of five-gallon buckets, right? Then it's being used in the wrong way. When you get weighed down, you're not going to be able to run the race that you are called to run. I mean, that's part of what even makes Cliff's story ironic. He's running in work boots and overalls. And why do runners not run in those? Because they're heavy. Because they weigh you down. I asked for some uh, resources here. Thanks to Run Wild here in town. This is what a runner wears, right? You guys can be really glad because it passed through my mind. Believe me. I could do this whole sermon wearing these skimpy shorts just to illustrate this point. The hangers literally weigh more than these clothes do, right? I mean, probably three times as much. A runner wears next to nothing so that they don't get weighed down. You and I have things in our lives that weigh us down, that hold us back, that tangle us up. Now, immediately, you can think of some of the negative things, whether that's sinful things, bad habits that we have in our lives, or maybe just taking on too much and having too much stress, or maybe a bad temper, whatever it may be, things in our life that keep us from running our very best. But I also want to remind you, it can be good things that tangle you up, the things that, that we think are so good, but then they end up weighing us down. In order for us to run the race that we need to run, We need to shed the weight. We need to lose the weight. Everything that's hindering us and holding us back so that we can be our very best. So this is about the only time you can do this and get away with it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to lose the weight. All right? You can get away with that here today. We all need to lose the weight. We need... Oh, if somebody just got slapped, I apologize. All right? We all need to shed everything that is holding us back. And I don't know what that is for you. But I I think that there are probably some things in your life that you know that hold you back, whether it's your choices, your habits, things that you've allowed in your life, things that you're pursuing, whatever it may be. Whatever's tangling us up, we need to shed those things so that we can be who God called us to be and run the race that He has called us to run. The third thing that keeps us from finishing our race is we tend to drift off course when we focus on the wrong object. These scriptures tell us, run with perseverance. Keep going. The race marked out for us. In other words, there's a set course for you to run. There is a lane for you to run in. And it's real easy for us in today's day and age especially. Rather than running like this, 
We can run like this. Now, if I'm running like this, unless I'm Usain Bolt, who can do that and get away with it, but if I'm running like this, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to run into something and hurt myself, or I'm going to get off course because I'm not watching where I'm supposed to be going. Now, I I love social media. It's great. But on social media, you see everybody else's highlights, right? And then you think in your own head, here's my failures. I don't measure up to that. I can never measure up to that. And when we start running the comparison game in our life, you're not going to be able to run the race that God has called you to run. God has a specific purpose, a specific lane for you to be able to run in. Something that is set before you. Am I living my life to glorify Christ? Uh, Back when I lived in Rockport, it was easier to run and I ran a little bit more often uh, because it was nice and flat and I ran next to the Bay of Water and it was was beautiful. Uh, I moved to San Antonio and all of a sudden the land is like this by my house. It makes it a little more difficult. But in Rockport, when I would run, I finally hit the place after a long time of trying where I found this rhythm. And what I would do is I would look at the road because the roads were pretty straight there where I would run as far up as I could see, and I would just set my eyes on that, and then all of a sudden, I could just find this, well, it probably wasn't that fast, you know, but I would find this rhythm that helped me to go faster than I normally would, that helped the pain just to get out of my head, because I was focused on what was ahead of me. For you to run the race that God has called you to run, for us to run the race as a church that God has called us to run, We've got to focus on what's ahead and be the church that God has called us to be. In other words, we're not necessarily going to be like every other church. We may not have this program or that program, but we're going to focus on what God has called us to do, to draw people closer to Christ and to send people out to make a difference. We're going to focus on that so that we can run the race that God has called us to run and we won't drift out of our lane. The next thing where we tend to end up failing in our race as we stop when we lose sight of our purpose, the reason that we're running, says, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. We have to realize the reason, the purpose. I am doing this because of what God has called me to do. There's a name on it. There's a name that Jesus Christ has called me to do this. Now, this watch that I'm wearing right here, there's a huge difference in this watch if it says Rolex, means I got it at a really nice place, probably spent a lot of money on it, it was a really nice gift that somebody gave me, or if it says Frolex. Frolex means I got it down at the flea market, right? And it may look the same to the eye, but it's not the same. Right? Because of what? Because of whose name is on it. There's a purpose on it. A maker on it. There is a maker on your life that calls you to run the race. He says, you are the joy set before him. And he is the joy set before us. In other words, that is the focus. He is focused on you running your race. And you are focused on living your life for Christ. If I don't win this race... If I don't do what somebody else next to me did, I still get Jesus because he is the focus of my race. And lastly, I think the reason that we we miss our race, miss the finish line far too often is that we can't see how close we are to victory. 
Now that applies to short races that you're running in your life, and that applies to the big picture. I think too many times we just give up too soon. Jesus sat down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Sat down means it's finished. It's done. The race, the victory is already won. Then it goes on to say, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's a lady named Florence Chadwick from back in the 50s. She swam the English Channel and back. She was basically a marathon swimmer. I'm sure there's a better term for that. But that's what she did. She was setting world records one after the other. And she set her sights on being able to swim from Catalina Island outside of California all the way to the coast of California. She began one day, uh, the day she had set to do this marathon of a swim. And she starts going. And it's foggy out. She can hardly see anything in front of her. But she puts her mind on it. She keeps swimming and swimming and swimming. She swam for 15 hours straight. And finally, she just gives up. And she calls for a boat to come and rescue her. And the boat comes. They put her in the boat. She's exhausted. They start going towards shore. And within seconds, she realizes She was only a portion of a mile from shore. She was almost there. In the interview the next day, she said, All I could see was fog. If I could see the shore, I would have made it. This crowd around you is cheering you. Go, go, go. But there are going to be times when you can't see the shore that's in front of you. Because the fog of life is just overwhelming. So overwhelming that all you can do is feel the pain and think you can't go on anymore. But I want to encourage you, as we run this race, that victory is right before you. And that's what the writer was encouraging the Hebrews. It's right there. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other. I remember the very first time I attempted running. I went running with our beagle. And literally, my run was about like... This and I look down, and the beagle is walking next to me and is ahead of me. And I'm like, the beagle's walking and it's beating me while I am running, right? Sometimes that's all we can do. Just keep going. That is what God is cheering you to do. That's what the writer was encouraging the Hebrews to do. And that's what they're all cheering us on to do as a church. Let's keep going. Let's keep inviting our neighbors. Let's keep loving people. Let's keep shining the light of Christ and watch what God does in and through our church over this next season to come. As he fills in these chairs, as he works in our lives, as he works in your neighbors and your coworkers and our friends, let's keep being the light of Christ and watch what God does. This is a relay. Together, we're asked to pass it on. Everything that has gone before us, God has put in your hands and is now saying, go, run. And the truth is, there's a generation that's watching you, that's waiting for you to hand what you've got, what God has done in you. They want you to pass it on to them. So for all these that have gone before us, Enoch and Moses and Abraham and Rahab and Sarah and all those that have passed the baton on to you, your grandparents, your parents, whoever it may have been that passed it on to you, now God is cheering you on saying, take it, run and pass it on to the next generation. Let's see what God does through us as we live it out.
and as we pass it on. Rock Hills, as a church, let's run this race together. Let's see what God does in and through us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here with us. Lord, that you have a race that is set before us. Father, that you loved us enough that you clearly set a lane for each one of us, a purpose for us to live. Father, none of us are here by accident, but Father, you have a desire and a purpose for every one of us. Father, for those here today that need to know you, Father, I pray that today they would ask you, Father, into their lives, surrender their lives to you. Father, we love you. We give all that we are to you. In Jesus' name, amen.